On this week's show, we're going to continue our summertime series, Performance Equals Profit, Part 10. Today, your CSRs are going to learn how to prevent one-leggers, your techs are going to learn how to sell on trust, and your sales advisors are going to learn how to overcome the price objection. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Before we dive into today's content, I want to reach out and chat real quick with all the non-EGI members. If you like the content and you want a free trial, click the Join button at the top right, then select the Plus Membership. We'll give you access to the full courses so you can start to take your business to the next level. Last week, we talked about the importance of your CSRs building a relationship with the homeowner. This week, we're going to talk about how important it is to get the time commitment and get both homeowners present as often as we can. Once we kind of get that relationship going and get that information, then we want to kind of, you know, segue into the conversation about lead coordination. And so the next thing we want to do after we build a relationship is we want to make sure that we can get both homeowners present as often as we can, and we want to make sure we qualify for time. The way we do that is very simple. Mrs. Homeowner, uh, the way this works is we're going to send out uh, Joe, one of our most experienced comfort consultants, and Joe's going to come out and do a thorough energy analysis on your home. What that means, uh, he's not going to just, you know, base the air conditioning system on the square footage. The reality is the Department of, uh, of Energy says that over half of, uh, half of homes are improperly sized, oversized, because contractors, or half contractors, half the contractors, don't do a proper uh, load calculation. They, do, they don't do an energy audit. And what this involves is, you know, looking at how your house is situated towards the sun, What's the amount of insulation in your attic? How much uh, square uh, uh, feet of footage of windows do you have? Do you have two by four construction? Do you have stucco? Do you have two by six? All these things, you know, two pane windows, three pane windows, all these things impact the proper sizing of your system. And so we're gonna have uh, Joe come out and do a full-blown energy audit. And by the way, this is highly recommended by the Department of Energy, and we do it on every call. Most companies don't, but that's the level of service you're gonna get with our company. Now, he's going to, you know, measure the house, and that's going to take a little bit of time, and you're going to have a lot of questions. One of the things we also like to do is that we like to get all the homeowners involved in the design process. Now, notice I said all homeowners, not all decision makers. Decision makers is a red flag that will put your homeowner on a very defensive posture. So we like to get all the homeowners involved. And here's why we like to do that. Number one, we customize, uh, uh, you know, very, very high-tech uh, high, you know, high complex systems. And there's a lot of variations in HVAC systems these days, kind of like going to buy a car. There's just a ton of variables and efficiency and indoor air quality and the way they operate and all these different things. And so it's really important if we can get all of the homeowners involved in the design process. And again, I'm not saying husband or wife because you might have two women, you might have two men, you might have uh, kids and a parent. You never know what the dynamic is. So just speak about it in terms of the homeowners. We want to have all the homeowners involved in the design process. Now, given the fact that uh, to measure the house and to answer all your questions uh, could easily take about an hour, and given the fact we want to have all the homeowners involved in the design process, what's a good time we could have Joe come out and meet with you all, right? So now you've given the homeowner a reason 
to have both homeowners present. If you just say, oh, well, we got to have uh, you and uh, you know, your husband or you and other homeowners there you know, just because, they're going to be less likely to do that, right? So what you have to do is to build that relationship, let them get a good vibe about, how you, about who you are, your company is, by asking about the dog and the babies. And then all of a sudden we start talking about this complex process of measuring the house, uh, depending how long they, uh, how, how many questions they have, it could take an hour, and we need to get all the homeowners designed, uh, involved in the design process to make sure we design a system that's really great. One of the things that we had, by the way, was a money-back guarantee. So we would tell people now, uh, Mrs. Homeowner, it's important we get all the homeowners involved in the design process because we have a money-back guarantee. And what that means is that anybody who owns the home, whether it's you or uh, a husband or whoever owns that home with you, if we put the system in and you love it, but your spouse hates it, your spouse could have us remove that system and we would have to refund 100% of your money. So because we offer that guarantee, it's really important for us to make sure we put a system in and design a system that everybody loves. So with that in mind, when is the time that we could all get together with, with, with uh, you and your, your, your spouse or whomever it is and have Joe come out? We have some time available on Tuesday evening and Thursday evening. Always ask first and suggest a couple of times, right? Uh, the alternate choice close. If your homeowner at that point says, oh, I don't know, I just don't know if my husband can be here, he works late most of the time, you always have to make a second effort. Ask a second time very politely. And you could say just something like this. So, uh, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Homeowner, if we could just find a time that we could all get together, we'll have Joe come out, and we could do it on Tuesday evening or Thursday evening. And the homeowner says, well, no, it's just not going to work. My husband's not going to be here. I'm going to be just uh, getting the information and passing it on to him. Ask a second time by saying something like this. Well, now, Mrs. Homeowner, uh, we will run leads. We will run uh, these uh, evaluations these, at, at very convenient times, right? And whether you need to sit late at night or on a Saturday, we're happy to do it at your convenience. Does that make it any more possible? And you ask a second time. If on the second time, and by the way, when you ask a second time, when you ask the first time, you'll get about 40 or 50% of your homeowners who will book it with both homeowners there. Uh, the other half that say no, if you ask them a second time, you'll get about another 20% of those will say, uh, okay, come out Tuesday night, we'll be here, right? Just by asking a second time. If you ask a second time and they say no again, then you just book the lead. That's all you can do is just book the lead. Now it's up to the sales professional to go in the house and to run the process that we teach to try to get both homeowners present then. But you just got to make the best efforts you can on the phone to build that relationship Try to get both homeowners present. Try to make sure they understand the time commitment because the main thing, the main qualification is both homeowners are present and we have an hour or so. And it's probably going to take more than an hour, but don't ask for more than an hour up front. It will turn into an hour, an hour and a half, depending on how many questions they have. And that's fine once we get in the house. But we're just going to try to set it to get both homeowners present, an hour time commitment, and my job as lead coordinator is to build that relationship. Uh, so now I give that information to, uh, to my sales professional, my selling tech, and when they go out to the house, here's the best part, because you've built the relationship and taken good notes and got the name of the kid, all of a sudden you've got your sales professional knocking on the door, knock, 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 and uh, while every other contractor is saying, where's the equipment, our guy is walking in and saying, oh, this must be little Bobby. I heard he's been a little bit under the weather. How's he feeling now? And all of a sudden your homeless going to be like, whoa, this guy's walking to my house, calling my kid by name, and knows that he's sick right? Or, you know, you could walk in the house and the homeowner could be there and you could see the dog. Oh, this is a little Spot. I heard Spot was at the vet's last week. I hope he's doing better. Homeowner's like, wow, you know. Listen, we got to differentiate ourselves. We got to have a conversation that nobody else is having with our homeowners. So we got to give our salespeople, you know, uh, information. We got to give them tools. We got to give them ammunition to go in there and to know certain things. 
right? They might knock on the door and say, man, uh, ma'am, I, I heard your husband just got home from Afghanistan. You must be extremely proud and extremely relieved to have him home, you know? Or you might knock on the door and say, ma'am, I, I heard your uh, mother-in-law just passed away. You know, congratulations. You know, I'm just kidding, right? My point is, is the more information that we give our salespeople, the quicker they're going to be able to build a relationship with the homeowner. That's going to go a long way towards making them successful in the home. So from a lead coordination perspective, rule number one, give the lead coordinator time to do their job. Once you have time to do your job, you have three responsibilities. A, you want to build the relationship with the homeowner by asking questions unrelated to the HVAC. You want to qualify for the time and you want to make every effort to get both homeowners there. And if you do that and you're very skilled at building relationships, you should have 60 or 70% of the time, you should have both homeowners there. That alone is going to make a huge improvement in terms of sales productivity because the number one excuse people give at the end, if we have a so-called one-legger, is they're going to say, I got to talk to my spouse. And then our sales guy screwed. So let's make the effort to have 60% of the time, 70% of the time, let's make the effort to, to, to make sure we have them both there. One of the things that's really important in addition to getting both homeowners present is we have to have time to do our jobs. You know, homeowners in many cases think this is a 15 minute process. Guy's gonna come in, drop off a bid and be on his way. Well, we know we can't really serve our customers and build value in 15 minutes. We need, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, sometimes longer to do the job properly. In this video, I'm gonna teach you exactly how to get the homeowner to agree to that time commitment. It's all about explaining and communicating all the work that we're gonna do when we get in the house. Thank you for calling ABC Heating and Cooling. This is Wally. How may we save you money today? Yeah, I'm interested in finding about replacing my current uh, AC system. Okay, okay, great. Are you having any problems with the current system? You know, it just seems to be getting a little old and a little tired. It's just okay. not doing the job. Okay. Uh, do you happen to know how old the system is? Well, I bought the house about nine years ago. I think the house was built, I want to say, about seven years before that, okay. and it's the original equipment for sure. Okay, okay, so about 16 years or so. By the way, sir, do you mind if I ask your name? My name is John. Okay, John, and your last name? Ketchell. John Ketchell. Well, thank you so much for calling in, John, and I appreciate uh, you being aware of the efficiency and comfort issues in your home, and of course, that's what we are designed to take care of you. Uh, let me give you a little bit of an idea of how this process works. Typically, uh, in a situation like yours, we will send out one of our HVAC design consultants, and uh, their primary responsibility, John, is to measure your home and do what's called a load calculation. Now, the reason for this is really simple. Number one, it's uh, recommended by the U.S. Department of Energy to ensure efficiency of your system and uh, quality of life comfort in your home. And more importantly, the Department of Energy estimates that well over half of all HVAC systems are improperly sized. They're oversized because oftentimes people will just use kind of a rule of thumb or kind of a guesswork, or if there's three tons in there now, they go back with a, a three-ton system. And the reality is if you've changed your windows in your home uh, to double or triple pane, the demands on the HVAC system will probably be less than when they had the older single pane windows. You could take your exact home, uh, the exact floor plan somewhere else in your neighborhood and have it turned a different direction towards the sun and have different types of windows. And next thing you know, it's a completely different 
load calculation. So what we like to do is to have one of our uh, comfort consultants uh, come out. They're going to measure your home. They're going to look at the windows. They're going to look at the attic insulation. They're going to look at the construction of the home, the siding, all these different factors, and uh, follow a formula as outlined by the Department of Energy to do a proper load calculation. Now, John, this process, depending how long it takes to measure your house, and depending how long uh, it takes to answer any questions you may have, this process can take about 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, so uh, is that going to be an acceptable amount of time for you all? How long will it take? Uh, typically about 60 to 90 minutes. Again, depending on how many questions you have and how long it takes to measure the home. Well, I probably won't have a lot of questions, but uh, that seems like a lot of time. I was kind of hoping to do this on my lunch break, kind of okay. get out there and, and get it done. Yeah. Is it really going to take that long? Yeah, well, and I can certainly understand you're a very busy man, I'm sure, and I appreciate you wanting to get done on your lunch break. And the reality is uh, many contractors uh, will very much rush the process, and that's probably why uh, Department of Energy says over half the systems are oversized. Because in many cases, homeowners are in a hurry. You're a very busy man. I'm sure family, career, bills, dogs, uh, you know, friends, bowling and softball, whatever you do for recreation, there's a lot of demands on your time. As a result, sometimes when you have to deal with a, a project like this from your home, it cannot really you know, be a priority. I certainly understand that. Uh, but at the same time, it's critically important that we get this system sized properly. An oversized system, John, in many cases, will last a fraction of the time uh, that it's supposed to. In other words, instead of 20 years, it may last you know, 10 or 13, or like you're talking about in your case, maybe uh, only 15 years instead of in 20 years. But one of the other considerations is the comfort of the home. In many cases, if the system is uh, short cycling because it's oversized, it'll be kicking on, kicking off, kicking on, and kicking off. Does your current system uh, do that? Does it come off and on quite a bit? Uh... I really haven't noticed, to tell you the truth. It seems to just be on all the time, quite okay. frankly. Well, that, may be, that could be just the exact opposite problem. It could be undersized and therefore struggling to keep up. You know, you called in originally because you were saying that it just didn't seem like it was doing the job. Does it it's seem like uh, in the hottest part of the day or maybe at night it's not cooling to your satisfaction? Yeah, when I get home a little bit early from work, I kind of almost have to wait for the sun to go down to get right. it cool, and that's why I'm calling. Right, no. Well, and that probably is a reflection of the system being undersized, which, of course, is you know the opposite side of the problem of oversized, but it comes from the same place, and that is the contractor not taking the time to properly you know size the house, size the system, measure the house. So when you think about the you know, potential investment that you could be making here, does it seem like it would be worth to make sure that, you know, that, we, that, that we measure twice and cut once? In other words, we make sure the system is perfect before we do an installation so that we make sure that we don't have a problem uh, like you're experiencing now. Well, that makes sense, but I've got to be honest with you. I had a guy out here last week, and he was in and out in 25 minutes, and it yeah. seemed like he did a thorough job. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, John. Did he ask you the square footage of your home? Uh, he did. Yeah. Uh, and when our design consultants come out, they're going to show you a couple of articles, one from the Consumer Reports and one from Department of Energy. And both of them specifically say, be leery of contractors who do their estimates based on house size and vague rules of thumb. So I'm not going to comment on this gentleman specifically that came out, but you know, you can use your own judgment and figure out whether or not he can do a proper load calculation in, in that short amount of time. And, and really when you're talking about an investment like this into your home, really the infrastructure of your home, the heating and air conditioning system, in most cases we find that homeowners uh, you know, uh, are really willing to, to trade off a little bit of time to make sure the system is designed perfectly. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I guess when you put it that way, it does make sense. Okay, great. Well, let me get some more information from you and we'll go ahead and get the appointment set.
By the way, if you're not an EGI member, click the join button at the top right hand part of this page and you'll get a free 30 day membership and examine all the courses. You know, one of the things I believe in, we talk a lot about on this show, is the importance of a consistent sales process. And so today I want to continue that discussion a little bit and get into a little deeper dive about exactly how we do that. The first step with your service technicians and your homeowners is to build the relationship. I want to share some training with you from Gary Ellix who talks about how to do the relationship building and why it's so important. So uh, there's three basic questions in sales process. When we talk about sales process, we're talking about that there, there actually is a process. So number one on that list is what do we actually sell? And so the very fundamental question that's being asked here is how does the consumer determine the trust issues that occur in a relationship with respect to an individual technician, a company, or however that works. So I'm actually going to write that word down because trust is essentially what creates the relationship for somebody to say yes and give you their money that at this point I believe in what you're saying and I trust you as an individual. So there are four things that we have to understand and this is an internalization process for you as a service group or as an individual technician that the first thing that you sell is yourself. Uh, so me or you being involved with a homeowner in any kind of a service transaction, be it a service call, uh, whether that's a direct repair, whether it's a service agreement opportunity, whether it's an accessory, an indoor air quality, a lead turnover, or if you're a direct sales process with equipment, um, all of those things are going to require the customer to believe in you first. You're the expert and you're perceived to be the expert, but the minute that we begin speaking and communicating and making a process occur is the minute that the customer starts assessing what's going on relative to that. But even before that, they're assessing our image, they're assessing whether our vehicle is parked in the right place. You know, if you park on my driveway, my first concern in my mind is, oh my gosh, you're going to drip transmission fluid on my, you know, my driveway. Uh, so these are how consumer patterns and thinking processes occur. So we have to be mindful as business owners and as service technicians and service managers who may be training that the me part of that or the you part of that isn't just the way I look or the way I act or how I speak, it's an entire process built around the idea that you, the service technician, have a brand. In fact, I even want you to write that down. Your company has a brand, but you are in fact a brand, and you're a brand within the framework of your company, your service group, your management of your company, your owner of your company views you a particular way, and so what you need to do is you need to be in control of how your brand is established. So when you sell yourself, what you're doing is you're presenting yourself as not only the expert, but a person that is trustworthy in relationship to what we're going to be selling or talking about or educating. The second thing is always going to be the company's brand and the company's experience. So we talk a lot about brand experience. Great brand experiences are not accidents. Great brand experiences occur because people have spent a lot of time and energy thinking about how do I make that customer feel good emotionally about the work or the impact of what we're going to be doing today at the home. So, for example, uh, I have a painting crew out at my house and they've been there for a couple of weeks. And so the painters, you know, they're, they're nice people and uh, they're doing a good job technically painting. And one of the things I've noticed is they've done a nice job in the interrelationships, specifically with my wife 
and my dog and my family interconnecting and spending some time socializing, building that connectivity in the relationship. So it's not just about the painting. And so one of the things that he said is, hey, when I'm doing the work, if you see anything or you have a question or you're concerned about where I might have done something that doesn't exactly hit what you expect, I want you to tell me about it. I'm okay with it. I want to fix it. I want you to be happy. And my wife just kind of melted. So what she actually did is she went into the kitchen and she made him a bunch of chocolate chip cookies to take home that day. And she said, I was just so enthused that they were caring about the quality that much that they allowed me to influence whether or not there was a couple of things. And she goes, you know, there was one or two things and I told them and they fixed it right away. So great example of the service technician in this case being interfaced with the consumer and the company's brand experience. Clearly the company, which is Serta Pro Painters, by the way, they clearly have trained that individual to interface and connect with the consumer. The consumer in this case being the gender female, my wife, and she is the decision maker in terms of what goes on in terms of that house. So that was a very targeted conversation. He could have done that as an accident or just because he had great skill, meaning that he was an unconscious competent. So he had the awareness to do it, but he wasn't sure why he was doing it. But I think personally that he was trained. He understands his company has put him through some basic training to say that not only is he the brand, but the company is the brand. And so Serta Pro Painters is now benefiting because they have spent the time and energy to work with that individual and his crew to be able to do the right thing. The third thing that we're going to sell is the product, the service, or whatever the technical expertise is in case of the solution. So again, service calls, service agreements, accessories, equipment lead turnovers, equipment, any IAQ type of product or service, plumbing transactions for us, electrical opportunities, they're all out there for us. So the customer does not know about our product and solutions. And that's one thing that we need to be very aware of and very careful about, is that most customers are not aware of our company store. Um, if I go to Best Buy and I want to shop for you know, a, uh, a new iPhone or a big screen TV or any type of electronic device, I can walk in the store and everything is there and I'm exposed to it. Um, the problem that we have is we're like a doctor. We're the expert and we're bringing a vehicle and we're taking our tools and our knowledge and our abilities to the home. Because of that process, the homeowner doesn't know, you know what an IAQ system does or doesn't do. They don't necessarily know what you know or I know relative to the service call itself. So they're relying on us to be the expert. And so part of the idea is selling ourselves and then our company's brand. It extends to the idea that we have to be very non-technical at our explanations with consumers. And in fact, when we go through the process later down here when we talk about the actual skill sets, I would love to have you have some tools and resources that break down the conversation for homeowners that make it very simple and self-explanatory for the consuming public to understand so that you are doing your job in connecting the solution, the technical solution, or the accessory, or the indoor air quality device. That you're making it so that the customer is buying into the process. That it's as simple as can be without being offensive in the sense that you, know, you don't want to treat them as if they don't know anything. But at the same time, you've got to lose the technical jargon. You've got to lose things like you know, condensing unit or coil, evaporator coil, or you know, the idea that there's an air handling unit. You need to break these things down into the simplest terms and pictures and graphs and pieces of information will help you communicate. 
So people have different levels of communication. Some people like to touch. Some people do well with hearing. Some people are very visual. Some people are, you know, conceptual. My wife is a perfect example. So she is a very artistic, conceptual thinker and learner. So words or the idea of mechanical stuff for her, it's uh, overwhelming. So, but she likes the idea of being able to see it. She can process it differently, and her mind works in that particular way. Some people, like me, are experiential learners. Um, if you give me something mechanical, I don't necessarily be able, I can't see it like you can and just undo it and put it back together. But what I do is once I take it apart, put it back together, I've learned it, and I will have mastered that forever, and I, that process will work for me. So I'm tactile and experiential in that regard. So because of that, the way we present solutions to consumers needs to adapt to the basic idea that they are the customers, so we need to relate to them based on the product or solution. And they don't know what our product or solutions are, so we have to be very careful about how we communicate that. And then the fourth thing is always the money. I mean, at the end of the day, there's an equation here that we need to understand, and we've talked about this in other videos, which is perceived value is equal to perceived benefits divided by the price. So what that means is the value proposition for the homeowner is highly interdependent on whether or not we do a good job in one, two, and three. If I'm doing a poor job of communicating to you on this video, you're probably not going to want to watch the video, and you're probably not going to want to be a member of EGIA, and that's fine. But if we're doing a good job, you might say, hey, the little short ball guy, he's got some things that we might want to think about, so we're going to integrate some of that stuff into our world. And when it works, that's a level of trust that gets created. And so you go, you know what, I'll come back and I'll do, I'll do something else. So the idea of perceived value is highly interdependent on the idea of how well or poorly we do within one, two, and three inside of that segment. The money is attached to the lower portion of that, meaning that if there's great benefit and the price is low relative to the benefit, you repeat that pattern. So the consumer looks at this and says, well, your service agreement is $169. What do I get? Well, the opportunity is there then for you to educate the customer, which is what we talk about in bullet point two. The idea of how we sell is we educate, we create an awareness, and the way we're going to create that awareness is we're going to drive questions. We're going to make sure that the customer is in control of the process by us asking questions. So we're going to lead the customer right where we want to take them and educate them by asking them questions. And then they're going to ask us questions. And we're going to give feedback. And there's going to be an exchange. And that's going to be a dialogue that's going to create a lot of trust based on the idea that we have trained you individually on your product and services. You know, over the last two weeks, we talked about, you know, destroying the three-bit objection, getting that out of the way. Well, one of the other objections we deal with all the time is the price objection. In this next training video, I want to share with you more detail about how to do that. And one of the keys is that you have to have an open, transparent conversation with your homeowner about a cheap price and to use as much third-party validation, third-party experts to help build your argument. You know, if we say it, oftentimes the homeowner thinks, hey, he's a salesman, he'll say anything. But if we can show them third-party validation, then it's true. Take a quick look at this video of how easy it is to use third-party experts to make your point that price is not the most important consideration. The first thing that Consumer Reports says is finding a trustworthy contractor matters most. Now, when they say finding a trustworthy contractor matters most, I mean, that would, you know, more important than price or brand or, or anything. Why do you suppose so much emphasis is put on 
the contractor and finding the right contractor? Well, I'm not sure. Well, here's the reason why. Number one, as I mentioned, these are complex systems and they have to be designed properly. And they have to be designed by uh, a professional, someone that's highly skilled and highly trained. Another thing to consider is this. When you look at uh, the heating and air conditioning industry, there are maybe a half a dozen manufacturers of the components in 50 different brands. What does that tell you about the components of the system? Well, they must have a lot of the same components in yeah. them. You have major manufacturers that design a lot of the components and various manufacturers you know, add their twist on it. And there's differences in, uh, in manufacturing and quality of manufacturing. But at the same time, any of the systems, the major brands that you would look at, are going to be very reliable and operate properly if they're designed and installed properly. And as you'll see later, uh, there's a lot of complex things, a lot of detailed things that go into a proper installation of one of these systems. And that's why they say it's all about the contractor, not necessarily the brand of equipment. They go on to say the contractor should calculate the required cooling and heating capacity by using a recognized method. That's what I'm going to do here by measuring your home and make sure we have it properly sized. They go on to say be leery of contractors who base their estimates on house size and vague rules of thumb. Now, you mentioned you talked to five window contractors. Have you had a chance yet to talk to any heating and air conditioning contractors? Yeah, we've actually, you're, the, you're actually the third company we've talked to, oh, Wally. Perfect. Yeah. You're getting three bids, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> At least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, during the course of talking with them, did any of them just kind of say, you know, hey, Jamie, how, how big is your house or how many square feet are in your house? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah in fact, I think two of the people she told me she'd called, uh, they asked over the phone and gave her a price. And then the, the two companies that have already been out, they asked what our square footage was. Yeah. Well, according to Consumer Reports, not according to me, but according to Consumer Reports, you got to be very careful about that situation because that old rule of thumb uh, is, uh, is a method that a lot of folks use because it's quick and it's easy, but it's not always accurate. And you'll see here, uh, Department of Energy talks a lot about this. They say that national surveys have determined that well over half of all HVAC contractors do not properly size the systems. Over half. Now that's 55, 65%. I would call that an epidemic. I mean, you know, 50, 60% of all the companies are not properly sizing and therefore not properly designing and installing the systems. What that means is that if 10 of your neighbors got new air conditioning systems put in last year, five or six of them are not properly installed. Five or wow. six of them are not yeah. properly sized. That's really interesting. It's, it's a very serious very situation. Yeah, that makes you kind of uneasy, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Owners uh, should insist upon uh, a, a system being uh, correctly sized before it's, it's installed. Here's what I'd like to ask you. Why do you suppose that Consumer Reports and Department of Energy put so much emphasis on this proper sizing thing? Why do you think they have so much, I mean, both of them talk about the same issue? Well, I can only assume that uh, from what you've said, that if it's not sized properly, it's not going to work properly. Exactly. Maybe not heat or cool your home as well as it should. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, as you can see in this role play situation here, I'm really making the case that proper sizing and Finding a trustworthy contractor is what's really important to the homeowner, way more important than a cheap price. One of the things that you can use is kind of these metaphor to draw these illustrations to compare the HVAC system with other things that homeowners understand. In this example, you're going to see I compare their HVAC system to the efficiency, the gas mileage, and the wear and tear on their car with highway driving versus in-town driving. It's the same comparison I'm making there between that and short cycling and in-town driving. Take a quick look. I think it'll make sense. It's a great metaphor and one that can really communicate the point to your homeowner. 
when you look at a heating and air conditioning system, uh, it's got something kind of in common with your car. If you have your car and you're doing in-town driving versus highway driving, where do you get the best gas mileage? On the highway, the, you know, the long, yeah. even drive. Absolutely, yeah. Same with your heating and air conditioning system. When they're oversized and they're doing what we call short cycling, kicking on, kicking off, mm. kicking on, kicking off, that's like in-town in driving with your car. Uh, what we want are long, even heating and cooling cycles where you get the best gas mileage as you go you know, through the very, various seasons. So efficiency is one very important issue. But the other issue is the single most important issue. And it's the wear and tear all that short cycling uh, puts on your system. When a system is oversized, like you know, 50, 60% of them are, that short cycling starting and stopping and starting, it's, out that, it's like in-town driving, right? All the wear and tear that puts on your brakes and your clutch and your transmission, all these different things, it wears the car out sooner, correct? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Same way with your HVAC system. All that wear and tear, the system will not last as long as it should. Uh, so let me ask you this. If a guy came in and uh, you know, offered to do a system for $500 or $1,000 less than my company, but he came in, he didn't properly size it, he just did the old rule of thumb, threw something in, but because it was oversized, it was not as efficient as it should be, and it lasted half as long as it should, instead of 20 years, maybe it lasts 10 years. Would the guy really have saved you any money in the long haul? No. No, not, not, a, not if it only lasted half as long as it should. We right? just have to go through the process again. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and yeah. spend the money again. Uh, would you agree or disagree with Consumer Reports and Department of Energy that proper sizing is one of the most important considerations, perhaps even as important as, uh, as the price of the system? Yeah, it is. I, I think haven't so. even thought about that, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree as well. Once you've made your point, you've shared the third-party uh, expert information, and you've illustrated the comparison between the HVAC system and the car, simply ask your homeowner, as I did in the video there, do you agree with these experts that there are other factors more important than a cheap price? Of course there are, and they're going to have just read it and seen it and discussed it with you. It's going to make a huge difference when price comes up at the end. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.